0: Hey everyone, Tony and John bringing you Kings Talk presented by Cap City Crown. It's uh, it's late July, you know, not too, you know, not a lot happening right now. Uh, We're at that point in the off season, but it's kind of funny actually because like last two years have been so different um, since the pandemic hit, and you know, two years ago the bubble would have just like started happening around right now and. two years ago in 2020 and last year um the draft was actually today a year ago but um Mm. yeah but we're back on the regular schedule regular nba schedule um
1: what do you got today john oh well first of all on that note that feels it feels good to (laughs) doesn't that feel nice to just kind of be it feels just uh feels like a little just a little more manageable when you're used to the normal, normal slate of things, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, like you mentioned, it's that point in July though, since we are on that schedule, and uh, it's about that time, you know, especially with uh, kind of the uh, logjam, waiting on the trade situation of a few superstars, which you know may or may not happen, regarding the particulars, particular guys in Brooklyn, but um, who knows. Uh, and, uh, so not a lot's going on except, uh, Vegas odds, I think came out this past weekend and, uh, you know, they, uh, despite all the optimism that's happening around the Sacramento fan base, uh, they were, uh, slapped with a 32 and a half, uh, win projection. And, uh, the simple question I guess is, would you put money over? on the over or the under there because uh, it was a shockingly low number um, that I'm sure is going to draw in a lot of bets uh, for the over. But what do you think? Um, I'm not a betting
0: man, so it's hard for me. Like if I actually, you give me money, you wanted me to put down money on something. Um, I, I can see why the line's at 32.5. Um, I would have trouble putting actual money on the over i'm not gonna lie but at the same time i do believe that they will win more than 32 games um you know 33 games so mm-hmm. um but you know i, I get it i, I mean I, th- I think their team's good enough i think their roster construction and how it how it looks right now i mean it looks solid they, ha- they have depth on their bench they have a solid starting lineup um you can definitely see them winning more than thirty-two games, but at the same time, it, it's it's the Kings here. It's the Kings we're talking about, team that hasn't made the playoffs in sixteen years, who just can't seem to do anything right, even with the addition of Sabonis and Herder and Monk and you know Murray and this and that. You know, it's like <laughs> they still have a lot to prove. Um, I know it's different; it feels different this year, and it really it really is going to be different um, with the addition of Sabonis last season, but um they they have something to prove first and i can see why it's at 32.5 if i would you know I, like thinking about it a little more i think i would put money on the over if i wanted to you know win something but um you know it's tricky and i, I totally understand why it's it was put a little lower than king's fans expected or what might actually happen during the season um mm-hmm. what are your thoughts
1: well, I mean, I think it's interesting because I think last season, if I'm not mistaken, they project I think they put it at like 36, and it's like I don't know why you thought that. T- I don't know. I, I they put 36 I, I
0: last year with uh, that. Team? I let me
1: double let me double check, but I, I think that that I think that's what the case was. Um, and it's like if you're talking about them saying that, I don't. I, this just seems like. That just seems like a situation where it's obvious to bet the under there. And I, I guess I'm not really a betting man either. I've bet in Vegas a few times, like on a few Super Bowls, but I'm not like seriously invested. I'm familiar with some of the lingo, but, you know, I, I, it just seems so interesting. Let me double check. Let me make sure it was, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, <laughs> I'd be okay if, if that's the case. Yeah, 36 and a half. Last year, really? Yes. <laughs> Weird. And that it's so bizarre because I just don't like that okay so what I was saying 36 for 30, you know, basically saying that they're going to win if you're going to take the over on it you're going to say 37 wins. It's like if you thought last year's team was going to win 37 games. Like you're probably just going to be considered a little a little naive. I don't know. It just didn't I, I don't know. It just didn't seem Anywhere close to, you know, like we keep talking about how different it feels and I I get it. I'm not putting money on the Kings. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to make the plan. I'm not saying they're going to win more than 32 games. But I feel like, you know, like this is just like a different situation here. And it just seems so obvious to take the over here. Just like it seems so obvious last year to take the under. And like I said, I don't know enough about Vegas bets and all that stuff, but I I don't know, and I don't know how the money works and all that, but it's like when they try to make it obvious like that, are they making some kind of profit or something like that? I don't know. I probably sound like an idiot to some people, but I don't know. It's just a question. It's just interesting, but it doesn't really, at the end of the day, you know, like it's just a number, I guess. And it just seems so, especially when you're just looking at it as a team, you're looking at the Kings like, oh, 32 and a half. Like, yeah, it's just the Kings, you know, like, I don't know, that just seems so removed from what's happening with the rest of the league. Because, um, you know, like last week, Mark Spears went on ESPN and said that the Kings are going to make the playoffs. I don't know if that's true, but I don't think that's crazy to, to take that side of things. I think that there's a debate to be had whether they're a playoff team or not. Um, I think there's a legitimate take on both sides. I don't know what's right, but I think that that's just the case. And I think one of the things that he laid out, one of which being that he is, thinks very highly of the pairing of Fox and Sabonis, but two, you have to think about it, you know, it's a tough conference, we know, but you have to think about it like, are they better, they have to be better than one of these three teams to make the play-in. And once they make the play-in, anything can happen. They have to be better than one of these three teams, either New Orleans, Portland, or uh, the Lakers. So once you start thinking about it that way, that 32 and a half line just seems so it seems it just seems even it just seems like such a It, it just kind of a little under uh, I guess underestimating. I don't want to say underestimating because I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna do this year. And like you said, this is a franchise that if they've been consistent in anything, it's uh, losing <laughs> yeah but i don't know that i they kind of threw a lot out there i feel like we should look at these teams though but i don't know if you wanted to add anything to that
0: um i'm kind of surprised that last year was 36.5 and they knock us down to 32.5 after we add an all-star a good piece in herder a good piece in monk like and i mean i don't know if keegan murray's gonna be a game changer in his rookie season but he, you know he's a nice little little addition and that team last year i mean I don't know. Maybe they thought Fox was really just going to play the whole season like he did to close it out, but I don't mm-hmm. know. It wasn't a, anything special. I mean, we probably, I don't know.
1: if We go yeah, back to last season and it's like, Kings are going all the way this year. Who knows what we would have said. I think you make a good point though about Fox. Cause I feel like that was the case the last couple of years where it was just like Fox, they, this is the year that he becomes an All-Star. This is where he takes the next step. And like, He's grown pretty steadily. I mean, last year he had a kind of a hiccup there at the beginning, but he's grown pretty steadily despite you know every year leading up to that, and then kind of how he finished off last season. I feel like was a little bit of a growth, um, but like every year that they had, they had him so high, and that was like so dependent, like the whatever amount of optimism, odds makers or an analysts were having for the Kings, you know, optimism. you <laughs> was saying they're, they're going to win thirty six games or whatever. Um, but you know, for whatever that was, it was dependent on Fox taking that next step. And like I said, he's made growth, and I really think that fans have every right to be positive about Fox going in in this year, even though they could potentially, like anybody else, be uh, you know, have the football taken away from them, like Lucy and Charlie Brown. But you know, it, I think that you made an interesting point. Like they really did ride on. Like Fox and I think even you and I last season like I shouldn't say like <laughs> I shouldn't like say like it's crazy to say that they, they to think that anybody would take the over on 36 and a half last season but it's like I remember after they drafted Davion Mitchell I was like you know if they can find a way to do a three card lineup with Fox Halliburton and Mitchell which you know isn't so crazy now that we know that Davion Mitchell can guard someone like Chris Middleton for a few minutes um, but you know uh, when I started thinking about that and thinking about what they were adding with some of this young talent, like I thought like, yeah, they could be and you know, a young team that surprises. But again, it's like, even then it's like, I never thought that they were going to be great. Yeah. And it would have been crazy to just think it would have been crazy to put money on the over last season, but I don't know. There's mm-hmm. a lot there.
0: Yeah. But I don't know. Just them you know dropping four games i guess compared to last year with mm-hmm. a easily arguable better roster um mm-hmm. i don't know it's, it's just it's kind of laughable it is weird so i don't know after thinking about it that way and seeing i don't know that comparison i feel even more comfortable putting money on the over I don't, even though it really doesn't change anything it's just <laughs> it's just weird I don't know. It sounds like a steal. Like you said, like, of course, like, like, I don't know, at least in hindsight, it looks like, yeah, of course, I would have put money on the under last year. And so it's kind of like reverse this year. Of course, I'll put money on the over. So um, I don't know. But yeah, uh, what were those three teams you were talking about?
1: Well, first of all, it sounds like, you know, we kept saying we're not betting men, but it sounds like just in the course of like the last eight minutes or so that we should just drive to Nevada and <laughs> throw some money down. <laughs> <laughs> we just convinced ourselves. But um, I don't know. All that remains to be seen. But again, as you're you know alluding to, I think it's important to look at that. You said that Kings roster is better, and I think that's ostensibly true um, compared to last season. And I think it's important to look at them compared to some of these other teams. Um, I think the best of those three teams is obviously New Orleans. Um, and I think this is probably the team that you probably have a little bit of trouble um, uh, maybe saying that they're better than, especially if like Zion Williamson is just like comes back and stays healthy and, you know, they, they got C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram and Valanchunas as well. I mean, that's just it's a pretty it, it's it's a pretty solid team. Just all the way around, and you saw what they did last year, just to kind of get into the playoffs, and they lost four to two to those Suns in the first round. But um, it would be kind of hard to argue that the Kings are better than the Pelicans, you no? Know?
0: Yeah, I mean, they have Ingram, they have Zion. If he, you know, I am pretty sure he's going to play this year. Um, that's two All Stars right there. You have Valanciunas, who not a, I don't like Valanciunas, but I mean dudes dudes a good big man um so they definitely i would say they're better than us at the moment and they proved it last year at least you know they made the playoffs but um i don't know you know i i I could see the Kings somehow being better it just so much you know remains to be seen with a full season of sabonis and now herder and monk and and a new coach in mike brown um it's it's just so hard to compare sometimes. It's like we, we just really don't know the full picture. We're like last season, it's like all right, second year or third year of Luke Walton, I don't even remember. Um <laughs> was it the third year? You know, it's like you, know. <laughs> you had the same coach, you basically had the same exact roster from the season before. It's like that was a little easier to compare. It's like, okay, maybe this guy makes an improvement, maybe here, but it's like all right, yeah, we're not better than that team. But this year it's mm-hmm. just so different. Um with you know everything I just said, new players, full season with guys, new coach. Um, I mean, you do I think have to put the Pelicans better than the Kings at the moment, but I think a lot can change like early on in the season and seeing what team can really do and how their defense really plays out.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly it because I think honestly, like I don't want to uh, like. I'm not putting money down here, but uh, I do feel like just from... You don't even have to think about it from any standpoint, From but just seeing the Kings roster, seeing how they finished out last season, it's easy to be confident in their offense. I think they're going to be good offensively. They were good offensively to close the year last year for the most part. I mean, they were better. I wouldn't say they were like great, but um, they, were, they were keeping up with some really good teams there. Um, it really does depend on that defense. And you know that's really a major reason why they brought in Mike Brown um you know we'll see what happens uh you're going to need to obviously it's going to have to be more than just Davion Mitchell playing defense like everybody's going to have to be on board um and we'll see how that turns out cuz you know you can see a you know I was like how many times do you see the Kings kind of look kind of good in the beginning of the season and then it just kind of all kind of fizzles out, effort kind of slips, kind of guys become a little disillusioned. You, know, you lose a few games here, and then everything just collapses. Everything that you had going for you collapses. It's a little bit of a different dynamic with uh, maybe some more proven talent on this team, but I guess that always remains a possibility. But it, So it really remains kind of to be seen until we know what that defense does and how committed they stay to that. Because it really rides on that, I feel like. Does it not? Because if the Kings can be really like, I know, I, th- I feel like the Pelicans were not a good defensive team last season. I think they were. Um, I have it here. The Pelicans were 18th in the league defensively. And uh, <laughs> are you are you writing stuff right now? Me? No. Oh, you're not. It sounds like you're writing. No. I can hear are it like
0: scratchy. Yeah. We're uh-huh. like a little scratchy.
1: Oh, I'm, I think it was caught on my beard. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um. Yeah, yeah, but the New Orleans was 18th in defense last season. And so if you're talking about, like, I don't know if the Kings can ever be a top 10 defense in the next two years. I feel like it takes a little bit to build up to, Um, but if they can be, you know, 15th, 14th, 13th best defense in the league next season, which might be asking a lot, but I don't, I mean, if everything goes right for Mike Brown and. His coaching staff and his team, like that, 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 that could be viable. And if they're a better defense than the Pelicans, then you're talking about, like, surely a better defense than the Pelicans. Then you're talking about a situation where maybe they're better. Um, yeah. But again, it really depends on that. You know what I would love to see?
0: And I hope, I hope he's thinking about this for like a, a goal. I want to see Davion Mitchell on a all-defensive all, de- all defensive team, whether, you know, first or second team. But um, once, you, once you have a defender like that, and, and it's not like, you know, being an all-defensive player makes you, you know, better than a guy that's not an all-defensive, you know, it, it sounds bad the way I'm putting it right now. But just because, you know, Davion Mitchell wasn't on the all-defense team last year doesn't mean he's a good, def- not a good defender. But, you know, just like having that recognition and having like, oh, man, he was an all-defense guy, you know, I, I think it's, I don't know, I think it just makes teams look at you a different way. And maybe your team it's like, oh, you got like, you got an all defensive player on the team. You got to watch out, you know? So I hope, definitely. you know, David Mitchell definitely has the ability to do it. And so I think just him getting those honors or being in the running and being a an legit candidate. I don't know. It'd just be, it'd be great for the team and the defense. And of course, just as good defense would be good too. But that recognition always helps out a little as well.
1: Um, so I think with 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 Davion, I feel like maybe him coming off the bench maybe takes a little bit, but I mean if he develops into a starter and is you know playing solid minutes, I mean like Marcus Smart is a is a good defender, but it's like Davion Mitchell could be better than him. Oh yeah, and like I I don't see any question, not just like being defensive first team, but like defensive player of the year at some point. Um, Oh yeah. Like, if we're talking, like, God, if talk, if we definitely have converted ourselves into betting men because uh, I want to put money on Davion Mitchell winning Defensive Player of the Year at least once in his career. Although I don't think you'd win a lot of money on that because I feel like
0: <laughs> yeah. it feels obvious. Yeah, I mean, it really does. But, I mean, yeah. just because he comes off the bench, um, like, Theibel, he's mm-hmm. he comes off the bench, he only – Lot two seasons ago, he only averaged twenty minutes a game. He only started eight of the sixty-five games he played, and you know he was a second-team all-defender. Um,
1: okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that would that would, and I mean, if the Kings are, if we're talking about the Kings make a huge ascension in the defensive rankings, and they are all of a sudden slightly above the league average, um, it's probably going to have a lot to do with Davion Mitchell, and he would be very deserving of recognition at that point yeah you know as well as probably mike brown also deserving recognition for coach of the year but you know i'm not gonna break down who's gonna yeah. win that or not that seems silly but um you know that it rests on the defense but you know there are some pieces there to make that defense good starting of course with davion mitchell mm-hmm. but um so they can be better than the Pelicans. Um, I think that that is not yet proven. Um, so I'm going to say that the Pelicans are better than them. Um, and, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just think that's kind of the situation as it is with the Pelicans, though. Uh, with the I don't know, Let's save the Lakers for last. Let's yeah. do Portland. Um, are the Kings better than the Portland Trailblazers? Um, you know, you got... Lillard, Hart, Winslow, Grant, Nurkic. You got Simons. got the rookie, Sharp. Uh, They got uh, Gary Payton, the third. Uh, It's an interesting team. Uh, I think it's a pretty good team, the Trailblazers. Um, You know, that pickup of Jeremy Grant, obviously a name floated around for the Kings for seemingly so long. Uh, You know, they're definitely going to be competing but I think this is where it gets kind of like interesting because you look at their roster and you look at the Kings roster and you start comparing some of the positions and it kind of comes out maybe a little even but I would almost say that just with I feel like Sabonis is kind of a he just kind of balanced things balances things out like I just feel like Fox and Sabon like Lillard like who's Lillard paired with here that's like blowing me away I don't, not really blown away by a pairing there. I think Lillard's better than Fox, but I yeah. don't know. Like, am I wrong to say that though? That Fox and Sabonis just feels like that packs more of a punch than Lillard and I don't know. Yeah,
0: no, I, pick. I think the problem with Portland is that they lack depth and a second star. Yeah, I'm
1: not saying you
0: know, I mean Fox isn't even an all-star, but Fox and Sabonis is better than any Lillard someone else combo on mm-hmm. um, portland i mean maybe grant maybe i mean josh hart he had he had a pretty good year to end the season in portland but i don't i don't see him putting up those same numbers that he did in last season um but yeah i mean portland they're gonna be competing they have lillard it's i mean would you say their starting lineup was lillard hart i think i
1: think I i might be mistaken but they have winslow um, oh yeah,
0: no, they do have Winslow.
1: They have Jeremy Grant and then yeah, Nurkic, Grant. but then they also have Anthony Simons, uh, Gary Payton the third. Ble- I think Bledsoe's on their team. Is he is he actually Gary Payton the third? Yeah, isn't he?
0: Uh, I don't I thought he was the second.
1: I think I thought it was the second too. I have it like scratched down and like the third is darker because I had to put it over the, the second. Right really? I got another one. I thought so. my fucking hi <laughs> Gary I, online I see Gary oh it is Payton. the second no yeah what the hell I don't know well I, okay well I'll have you know that I did write down Gary Payton the second and then I scratched it out and made it the third here and I don't know what I was seeing when I did that
0: so <laughs> I, I heard I was you say just, it yeah I was, yeah, I was just
1: as much in, I was just as much in disbelief as you were when I thought I saw the third, <laughs> um, but thank you, thank you for the correction. I should. GP three, GP. Hey, maybe he's in the making. You know, watch out. Maybe
0: he, will, maybe he'll wear number three.
1: GP three. Then you guys can all, you know, I you, you can't beat that. I've called that, suckers. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, I think that, that it's exactly. I think you're exactly right. It comes down to depth and kind of what are you packing in terms of, like, talent. And I just feel like, you know, they have they have a good team. I think Portland, like, I think Portland can make the plan because we're going to talk about the Lakers in a second. Um, but I, I think Portland can make the plan, and I think the Kings can make the plan. But I think the Kings are better than Portland. So, like, if one of them aren't making it, I would, I would think that it, it could be Sacramento. Um, and also, like, we keep talking about, like one of the things that I you you hear a little bit now, um, I think Kendrick Perkins said it last week with Mark Spears, um, and then you heard it from just a couple other people. Um, but people are like, not just like you have to wait and see what the Kings do. The Kings need to prove otherwise. You know, they've not made the playoffs for sixteen years. That's quite consistency. Uh, you know, they have to prove something. But people are also pointing out that Mike Brown has to prove something. And you know what I would say to that if we're talking about it in relation to the Portland Trailblazers? Doesn't Chauncey Billups have something to prove as a head coach? I, I mean, I, <laughs> it, I forgot he was the head coach. Yeah, it's not the same stability of like when Terry Stotts was there. It's not like Portland can go like, oh yeah, we're resting on the fact that you know, like we have this kind of like coaching staff and this same like like structure and system here that 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 has gotten us to the Western Conference Finals. Um, you can't say that really. I mean, you have Lillard, he's really good. And like we talked about, it's a fairly talented lineup. But I don't know. I just feel like there's question marks around Portland just as much as there are around Sacramento.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are um, 100%. But one thing I've learned over the years is that you, you can't count out Lillard, mm-hmm. you know, a, a Portland or a Lillard led Portland team. Um, I don't know. I, I I, mean, I remember when everyone left him, like, I don't know, seven years ago when it was, like, Wes Matthews left and Batum left and Aldridge left and mm-hmm. whoever their center was left. Um, I don't know if they had a good center. But, yeah, and then I'm like, oh, like, whatever, Portland's going to suck. But, you know, Lillard, he really stepped up and kept leading to the team to the playoffs year after year. Um, and, of course, he got, like, McCollum, I and they got some other players. But, I don't know, just... I've learned to never count out Lillard because he's proved me wrong a bunch of times. But right. I still think the Kings are better. You know, on paper. But I mean, it doesn't always come down to that, as we know. So mm-hmm. but I would put money that the Kings will be better than Portland this season. But we'll see. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I think that it is worth uh noting just how good Lillard is Lillard is and just keeping that uh Keeping that in mind. Um, but, yeah, we'll see about that. But interesting, I would say, too, that the Kings are better than Portland. Uh, the Lakers, as it stands now with Russell Westbrook. Um, I don't know what their starting lineup would be exactly. I don't know if they would – is LeBron the three or the four with Davis being the four or the five? I'm not sure. Because um, I guess the starting center, if it's not Anthony Davis, right, would be like – would that be Damian Jones or? I don't even know this guy's name. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't even know.
0: Oh, Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant, yeah. Um,
1: I know. They got a couple.
0: Who else did they get in the offseason? They got. They got. They um, got one Toscano Anderson. They got Toscano Anderson, yeah. And they I got mean, s- like, someone else. Maybe it was Damian Jones. Lonnie Walker? They got Lonnie Walker? Yeah. Oh, dang. I mean, that's not yeah. bad. Like a good replacement uh, for valid. Monk,
1: I'd say. Yeah. But, I mean, not quite the three-point shooter, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Monk was I don't know. I just... A, it, what was that? I was going to say, you know,
0: like, Monk was never really... I mean, he could always... He was, like, known as a shooter, but Monk over... Like, if you look at his stats and, you know... His yeah. Career, no, he,
1: he, he, his 3 points In Charlotte, he wasn't it. very good. Yeah. He had one good year in Charlotte.
0: Yeah, which is... Yeah. I mean, he shot over... Yeah. Yeah. He shot 40 in his last season in Charlotte and then shot 39 last year. But his first, yeah, his first three seasons, it was, it was pretty, you know, not good.
1: Mm-hmm. But, anyways, that's yeah. kind of beside the point. No, no, no. That's that is actually, that's just worth noting. Um, but, you know, what else? I mean, like, who else is on this team? Dude, uh, I don't even know. I really don't. What? Like, <laughs> Who's Kend- on their team? Kendrick Kendrick Nunn, their backup point guard behind. Really? Where do they get all these guys? (laughs) Well, he didn't play last season, but I think he was, he might have been on the Lakers last year, but he didn't play because he had an injury, I think. I'm looking, but he was on Miami for two years. Yeah. He was on a rookie rookie team? Yeah. Kendrick Nunn was hella good as a rookie. The dude's on the Lakers. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. I guess he's backing up uh, Westbrook. uh, Westbrook, Which, by the way, I think Westbrook's not going anywhere because I don't think, I definitely don't think. Kevin Durant's going anywhere. And I don't think, I think at that point, you can pretty much say Irving's not going to go anywhere. So if if the Lakers aren't getting Kyrie Irving, and do I think Kyrie Irving's better than Russell Westbrook? Like, hell yeah, I do. Um, I don't know. Like, you might be replacing one locker room dysfunction or maybe not a dysfunction. I don't know. I'm not there. Maybe one tainted drop in the chemistry situation there for another with Irving, but I just feel like the Lakers would be better, better with Kyrie Irving. Cause I just think he's like still kind of like really good. And I just feel like Westbrook's really taken a step back and I feel like he's still able to be good if he could just get everything together. But I don't know. I've have, I think Westbrook cause I think I've said it on this podcast before. He might be my least favorite player in the league. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has been for a while, um, but you know, uh, I just feel like the Lakers with Westbrook on that team and, you know, I don't know. Like, we're going through the roster, and it's not terrible. But I just don't feel like it's, like, that strong. Now, of course, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. I don't think we can undersell that. If they're playing all year, both of them, you know, LeBron's going to get his rest. I'm sure both of them are going to get their rest. But if they're playing all year and everything's kind of clicking, they could be really good. But do I think that's going to happen? Like, no, I don't think everything's going to click. I don't I just don't I, – I wouldn't – I guess I wouldn't rule it out, obviously, but I'm just not – we're talking about betting here. I wouldn't bet money on it, you know? And I don't know. I feel like the Lakers probably have – I feel like the Kings – it would be fair to say that the Kings have the most to prove just given the franchise situation, but the Lakers have a lot to prove too. And I just don't think that you can sit there and go like – yeah, they're a playoff team. They're shooing it for the playoffs. It's just like, I don't think so. I think they're, you really have to talk about these three teams, Sacramento, Portland, and the Lakers, because one of them is not going to make, you know, being in that top 10 and being in the play-in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a realistic chance that that could be the Lakers. Um, You know, I, I don't know how good they are.
0: I, I mean, I think it is really going to come down to, is Anthony Davis you know, going to be healthy this year. And that's going to determine where the Lakers finish. Um, barely played last year. And, you know, you see where, you know, Lakers missed the playoffs. Two years ago, he definitely didn't play as much as he did his first season with the Lakers. And I think the Lakers snuck in, in uh, with the eighth seed or seventh or something. Um, so, I, I mean, Lakers definitely have the talent. The chemistry, I don't know. But it's the health of Anthony Davis. I mean, he just, you know, with having Westbrook, LeBron, and Davis, that eats up all your money right there. So you, those guys have to be healthy if you want to be good, obviously. And you know, Davis hasn't been, and I don't know. You can't do it without, you know, your third best player when you really don't have anyone else. I mean, I love Damian Jones, but I mean, Damian Jones isn't, you know, as a starter, gonna.
1: Let me say this: I think that if the Lakers want to make the playoffs, Damian Jones has got to start all 82 games. He'll be an All Star. It's gonna be great. I really wish <laughs> we could have kept Jones, but yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, but I just we're... think that I think that Mike Brown. Was, it just seems like he was. There might not have. I think it's a combination of there not being really much of a market for Rashawn Holmes and Mike Brown being a huge fan of Rashawn Holmes. He's a that Rashawn Holmes fanboy. Him. Yes, he is. Nice brown,
0: <laughs> aren't we all oh yeah yeah I, I love holmes um i love him he's a good i mean no, he's a good
1: guy not a thing to dislike about the guy
0: yeah it's, and he plays uh, the game the right way i am i'm sad to see him go to the bench because i know you know i, I think he took a discount to stay in sack maybe he didn't mm-hmm. but i think i mean 11 mil that seems a little
1: cheap for what he was doing before starting center like theater. a really underrated starting center like like you said before that and you know he could have he could have gotten a few more million
0: yeah and you know i mean he's a little overpaid now i guess as a bench guy but you no know, the do loves sack his family loves sack I, mean, I mean i'm glad he's still here and i really hope he embraces that role off the bench um you know behind sabonis You know, well, it'd be a great spark off the bench, and I know I just totally sidetracked this conversation, but
1: no, I think that well, I think that's a good transition because I mean, I think we kind of laid it out. You know, the Kings got to be better than at least one of those teams, and I think that they're better than they're potentially better than two. There's a good outlook that they could be.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying that they they are, but
1: but yeah, they if like we said, the defense comes together, definitely. Um, Of course. There's Vegas for people that really think they know the future. You could go put money on it, make a profit, or uh, drown your sorrows, whatever, or do a little bit of both. I don't know. But um, you're talking about Rashawn Holmes here and him sticking around, the reasons for that being partially Mike Brown's a fan of his defense and what he can do. And one of the things that's really interested me, because I was reading one of uh, James' uh uh, ham's uh, stories or uh, uh, articles, and he was talking. I think it was the one about the where he was writing about some of the defensive how guys can help the defense for different players can help the defense this upcoming season. And he was talking about Holmes, you know, has tremendous upside on defense, has shown that he can be a really good defender, very athletic and active, um, and good size as well. Um, and he had mentioned the. I think it was this article where he mentioned the, you know, in in kind of passing, he mentioned the potentiality of Sabonis and Holmes playing together on the floor and maybe not necessarily starting. I I still think you're probably going to get that. um, The three through five is going to be Barnes, Murray, and uh, Sabonis, but there will be times with lineups out there on the floor um, where they're going to play together. And as Ham also noted in that same piece, um, with Mike Brown coming over here, you know Mike Brown and Steve Kerr used Draymond Green and Kevon Looney together out there as being two defensive-minded big men that really anchored that defense. And if you could find a similar situation with, you know, obviously like Sabonis isn't like a great defender, but you're you're going to be pairing uh, Holmes's defense with, you know, I would say. Uh, Sabonis' competent defense. And if the defense is good overall, then the team defense is going to be good. He's going to be engaged. And I think he'd be engaged no matter what. And uh, I guess just to add one more element to this, he also talked about the possibility of him making threes. Or not, not him, not vague him, but one of them making threes. If one of them are making threes, then that becomes a very viable pairing at the four and five on the floor. Um, and the one making threes, I guess, would as you were telling me, Could be uh, uh, Sabonis because he's been working with uh, a shooting coach. Um, And then, of course, like Holmes had that little stretch big man stint in Philadelphia that you told me about at one point, too. And I think there's highlight videos of that, too, online. You can watch (laughs) this funky shot. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think that when you're talking about – we're talking about what this team can do. I think one of the more interesting – dynamics or pairings, I guess, is that Holmes Sabonis situation. Cause we didn't get to see a whole lot of them together. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they can cook up in the situation. What are your thoughts? You can touch upon whatever you want there. I kind of just rambled there, but
0: yeah. no, no, it's all right. You made some good points. Um, I mean, Holmes and Sabonis on defense, it makes a lot of sense there. Um, so, I mean, Holmes, he's a good defender, but he just has trouble against bigger guys, like bigger centers. He's always being outsized down low. And so, you know, Sabonis isn't a liability on defense. Not like, you know, not known for his defense, but he can hold the zone. And I think you kind of saw right away is that Sabonis was at yeah. least not getting bullied around. Like we saw Holmes get bullied around. He's getting rebounds too, where yeah. Holmes would get out rebounds sometimes by those bigger guys. And,
1: and if I can interject for a second, yeah, when yeah, Sabonis yeah. got there, the Kings started allowing less points in the paint when Sabonis was manning the paint. Yeah, so, no, great stuff. Interesting stat. to know.
0: No, it is. And, um, I mean, Holmes has more of a frame as for a power forward, I want to say. And he just couldn't man his own down low. But mm-hmm. he put Holmes on a power forward. I mean, he's strong enough to guard other power forwards. Um in the paint he's athletic enough and mobile enough to guard him out on a perimeter. Say if it's a more agile power forward. Um, I mean, he's, I think two seasons ago, I believe, yeah, I believe going into last season, he was, um, he had the best isolation for like defensive field goal percentage out of anyone in the NBA, in the NBA. So, I mean, on mm-hmm. switches, whatever, that dude was really good. So, um, it makes a lot of sense on defense for those reasons. On offense, yeah, I mean, you definitely lose floor spacing, but um, I mean, Holmes has that little patented push shot. He doesn't have to hang around in the paint. Maybe, maybe he goes back. I mean, he, when he shoots threes, it's not like a bad stroke. He's made he's made a good amount of threes. I mean, he isn't not like a lot, but the the amount that he's taken, I've seen a lot of them go in. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. talking like six or seven, but. He has a good looking stroke. It's like he swishes them and stuff. So, and yeah, he used to shoot him in um, in Philly. So I don't know why he kind of just stopped. But he was he he was saying I think going into last season that he was working on his three point stroke, and maybe we'll see some more you know threes. And we didn't he hit (laughs) a
1: three on opening night. Uh, yeah, did he? I thought I was looking at his game log uh, a few days ago, and I think he did. I think he hit like two threes. Like, he I rem- was two for two in the first, like, six games of the year or something like that. Like, just kind of peppered him in there. I remember one time they had, like, a, there was, like, two
0: seconds left on the shot clock, and it went out of bounds or something. So they drew up a play for him to come off, a sc- like, a curl, like, at the top of the three-point arc. And they just, you know, it was, like, a little catch and
1: shoot as the clock expired. He nailed it. I'm like That's, that's like, it, the play that they called for uh, Kata in against the Magic yeah, in the Summer it, League. Yeah, it's it kind of like Wilson. Although he was kind of just waiting up at the top, and they drew the defense away from him. And nobody's going to guard him. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I I can see Holmes. It, it's kind of like the, like, honestly, like the Trey Lowell's effect almost. Like, you hit that one three, you don't have to hit your next five. But if you hit that first one, it's like, okay. Like the de- Yep, keep him honest right after that. But then on the other side, it's like, you know, Sabonis, so he's... Sabonis, I think he's taken more threes in his career than uh, Holmes. I don't know what he averages a game, but he seems like he takes like one or two a game. I think he only shoots like 30% from three, but he's a little more of a threat because at least he attempts at taking them. Um, But, you know, like he's been working with Lethal Shooter during the summer, during the offseason, and I mean... Yeah, they're only going to show the videos where he's making them, but I mean, his—you know—the videos we've seen, his stroke looks a lot better. He's putting a lot more arc on the ball, which I think is a big deal. Um, his shot was always really flat and straight, and you know, just that's just not a—I think it's just the math in it, and he's going to have less of the or the net to hit. Um, so, I mean, that's a good sign, and I don't know, it's, maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's white. Maybe it's because he's European. But um, I mean, you know, kind of European. His dad is. But um, <laughs> I always expected Sabonis to be a good shooter,
1: um, <laughs> right? Yeah, Left-handed, he a Yeah, it's, yeah. A guy. it's like yeah, he's
0: a good shooter. It's like no, nah, he's really not. I mean, he's not bad. But so hopefully he can. Uh, <laughs> hopefully he can. Um, you know hopefully that that training paid off and he can start knocking him down. And if... Uh, I mean, I'd, of course, having one of those guys be a stretch is... It would help out a lot and it'd be ideal. But I think even if they don't and they play the way they do right now, they'll still be able to play together. Um, you know, you can still have two big men down there. Maybe not for mm-hmm. extended periods of time, but... Um, I mean, I think they can work. Especially on defense. I mean... You know, Mike Brown wants his defense and maybe you have to plug in homes to guard that power forward that someone else can't lock down. And,
1: you know, I think
0: that's something we'll see this year.
1: Yeah. And if you're still if we're keeping that comparison, I mean, I don't know if there's a Draymond on on this team defensively or maybe even a Kevon Looney. But, you know, you're talking about a situation where you kind of really strengthen that low post and, you know that makes a huge difference with other shooters being the other three guys. And, uh, you know, even if they're not hitting threes, Sabonis and Holmes or either, or, you know, like Looney and Draymond are not shooting threes. Draymond had a terrible year from three, I think this season, he hasn't been good from three for a while. I feel like, and, uh, you know, like you said, that would just be kind of a plus and you'd definitely see them a lot more. If one of them is hitting a three, definitely both. But, um, It's so interesting. I just think that there's just – it's one of those things that I I feel like you'd mentioned it a few times, but I hadn't really thought about it that much until recently, and I was just like, man, the Sabonis-Holmes thing could be really interesting. Because I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know, if they could really get it to work and they could integrate Holmes defensively onto a team that's going to be very good at switching, um, you know, whether you have – uh, you're basically going to have an ability to just kind of interchange wherever you want. And maybe like you got guys of different sizes, but everybody can move pretty well when you're talking about putting homes out there. I mean, of course the bonus is probably the big guy, but you know, you're, you're looking at a defense that is starting to be more integrated together and can just, you know, play off each other defensively and switch effortlessly and just, just remain committed to, wherever the point of attack is and you know we'll have to see about all the other stuff but just from that standpoint you're right I think that that offers a lot of upside just to be able to put them out there Um, and I think there'll be other matchups obviously I don't think that that'll be like a main one I don't think that'll be like the closing lineup every night or whatever or even the starting lineup Um, but you'll see it a fair amount I don't know if there are like other interesting pairings to think about there but that's definitely one where it's just interesting, like you see that a few nights that are, you know, depending maybe on matchups and what's happening in a game. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of different options. This team, they are legitimate professional players on this team, and uh, yeah, I, that'll be interesting to see. And uh, you know, I think an, an interesting guy too that'll be able to add to that defense um, is, I think, I think he's just underrated at everything, but. If we could just talk about Trey Lyles here. <laughs> um, I think I think that his ability, maybe he's not so much a stopper on defense, but I, I think just for what he does, his rebounding ability is very solid. He secures possessions, which was a huge issue for this team last year, um, just flying too many second-chance points for the opponent. And when you saw him coming in and getting, like, eight, nine, 10, 11 rebounds a game like that. I know that sounds so silly just to be able to secure the ball on defense, but that has a lot to do with your defense because if you can't secure that ball, your defense is all of a sudden lost a part of its, you know, ability to do its job and it's being caught off guard. And like I said, the second chance points and whatnot. So I just feel like the depth down low is just going to be able to be a uh, defensively. It's just actually like, it's, going to be way it could potentially or at least it looks like it could potentially be way better this year um just with kind of those three guys and then even kind of the more kind of barnes and murray even being thrown into the mix um i don't know i just i i feel like there's a lot to like about this team on paper and just kind of thinking about the different lineups is interesting
0: yeah i mean they have a lot of versatile guys who can play different positions um you know, lengthy guys to athletic guys. And I mean, there's a lot of combinations and Mike Brown, you know, he's going to have a lot of fun making those uh, at least defensive rotations. I, I really think that's what he's going to focus on. Um, I mean, of course you have to practice offense and stuff like that, but they seem pretty, you know, good in that department. And so, I mean, like that article you wrote the other day, it's, it's really gonna, it's really gonna come down to that defense. And, um, now they brought in a lot of guys that can definitely help out on this defense and it's up to Mike Brown to put it together now.
1: Yeah. Well, it will be interesting. Um, it definitely comes down to that for this team. Uh, and um, like I said, it's just like you've got shooters along the outside, especially if you got that going on, like that down low, kind of the four and five out there on the floor, they can be, Anchoring the defense, you know, that 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 that's always always nice. Because I'm sure that with Lyles and Holmes coming off the bench, you'll probably see them play together. Um, or there's at least we'll have to see what happens. But you could potentially see them play together a lot in like a second unit situation.
0: Um, yeah, and it, I mean it helps that Lyles can stretch the floor as well. I mean both of your you know power forwards they're both stretch fours, which yeah. is which is really nice if you think about it. I didn't even think about that. Because yeah, Holmes and Sabonis I can't.
1: I mean yeah, I mean maybe they can. We we were kind of talking about that at one point. We were like, you know, in terms of leading up to the draft, we were talking about like, man, if the Kings could get like Jabari Smith or even like Keegan Murray or something, it's like Trey Lyles is a backup to one of those guys. Like that's that's great. And it's exactly for that reason that these are like those are you know fairly big bodied people. Um Murray's more long than big-bodied, but, uh, you know, that can shoot and stretch the floor legitimately. You know, Lyles, at the very least, keeps them honest. And some nights he's better than that. And Murray, it really looks like he could be the best shooter in his draft. Um, And he definitely (laughs) did that at the Summer League, you know, take that for what it's worth. But, yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting looking at the kind of big men depth, I guess, on this team. Um,
0: I know I mean we're always so focused on guards and stuff like that um, seriously I well, mean, even, I,
1: like, mm-hmm. even as a third guy I mean it's right where you'd want him on a roster if you're going to keep him on a roster Chemezi Metu is a third guy he's not terrible because I mean if he can get his three point shot down if he can get to you know Nigeria in the Olympics most recently you know level I mean like that would be great <laughs> I mean I, I again I don't want to get ahead of myself but sometimes the Mezi Mamba Fever kind of overcomes uh, just anyone if they're not paying attention. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. what You were going to say.
0: Oh, um, I thought you were going to say. I don't remember what I was going to say, but you're talking about a third option. I thought you were going to say Alex Lynn And that's another really good third option. I mean, Lynn mm-hmm. he's arguably a second option on some other teams. Um, Definitely. So, I mean... We have a lot of depth at that at the I mean we have a lot of depth everywhere except for the the damn small forward position. Um but you know they they try to they tried to work on that. They got what I mean I'm assuming it's pronounced KZ and
1: um who is it Chima? Yeah, Akpala and Moneke?
0: Yeah, Moneke um... and Akpala. Um, uh,
1: yeah, those guys will be interesting. Very long and athletic. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know what they'll provide on offense, if anything. I think, you know, Akpala's got the NBA experience, but Monéke probably. Like, I don't know. It might be fair to say that he might have a bigger ceiling. I don't know. I, I I I feel like whatever amount of research I've done on them and whatever I've looked into, I feel like it's very surface level. It's hard, especially for Monéke. Because he was playing overseas um you i feel like the only thing you can watch from some of those guys is just like the highlights you don't get tape you get highlights so it's just like you said with sabonis and his shooting it's like you're only going to see the good stuff but there's a lot to like about them like i said it's the stuff that doesn't really always show up on the stat sheet it's that athleticism and that length it gives you a chance and if they're familiar with you know mike brown and uh some of these coaches uh all the better um but, you know, we'll see about that. And then, of course, like, we talked about it, I think, a few weeks ago. Like, you have to remember, like, Herder is probably still more a shooting guard than he is a small forward, but he is 6'7". So it's like you have length out there on the wing um, in terms of, like, changing guys around with, you know, maybe bringing Mitchell or Monk into the game. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. That's probably the one thing that's facing this team is it's like, man, you'd really like to have a solid dependable backup for Barnes that's solid in a way you have Mitchell like Mitchell backing up Fox he's going to give you great defense and he's probably going to improve his shooting this year and be a better offensive player and you know pick his spots and understand his role better this year as a second year player you know Monk a great offensive player we'll see how much he shows on defense you know McNair called him underrated and we'll see about that but that's a great backup uh, we were just talking about Lyles and Holmes and even, you know, Metu and Len on the back end there. But it's just like, <laughs> like you said, small forward, not quite, not quite anything close to those other positions on the depth chart. Yeah. It's,
0: I mean, the only other guy that can really play it is Herter, but he, he's just starting a shooting guard in my opinion. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, of course he can fill in, but, I don't know. Like, is he gonna get pulled early, or is you know they gonna pull Barnes early so he can put Herter at the three and bring in Monk? I don't know. I mean, you know, Mike Brown's a coach for a reason, and he's gonna have to deal with that. And he'll probably deal with it as best as he can, but um, I, I don't know. It's gonna be. Uh, I mean, like I say it all the time: is that you you got to get Barnes rest and they haven't had a small forward on the team to give him rest since he's really come over, you know, from the Mavericks. So, it's going to be crucial, you know, getting that guy his time on the bench. So, we'll see what Brown does, but at, le- at least you have Herder, even though he's probably going to be your starting shooting guard, at least you have him and you know that mm-hmm. he can confidently play a good small forward. Um I mean, I wouldn't even mind having Kevin Herder as my starting small forward. Um Right. But I mean, you have Barnes and you have so They're starting together. But um, at least you have that option to move that guy over and deal with the lineups, however. But, yeah, it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. I think one guy I skipped over kind of going through that. Uh, Terrence um, Davis. Depth chart, Terrence <laughs> Davis. It's just a shame. It's Terrence so Davis. Maybe, maybe the Kings are just betting on Terrence Davis, waking up. Like we all did when we were 11 or 12. <laughs> I could go anywhere with this. When we were all 11 or 12 in the summer, we'd wake up. And our, our parents would go, holy crap, you grew like three inches. Maybe Terrence Davis is gonna have that at the age of uh what twenty-five? Maybe he'll have a three-inch growth spurt, be six seven.
0: Man. If Terrence Davis can just grow three inches, that'd be great. Oh my goodness. That would just like solve oh, yeah. all our problems. Like, oh, he's six seven now. He's reporting six seven. Maybe they'll just Man. mark him six seven. Just to like <laughs> scare their teams. It's kind of yeah, like, some really thick soles. On his shoes. Well, you know Donovan Mitchell, he was six four forever. It, 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 he was like a six four shooting guard, and then like going into last season, he he was six one. It's like what?
1: Oh yeah, what the heck?
0: Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like Durant, where he's like, he's not six nine, but he's like, yeah, I just said six nine. That's like a small forward height, but he's more yeah, like seven
1: feet. You know, it's just. I it's think just that happened weird. with. I think that happened with. Um i think people were like i think he's like six seven and maybe six six i think he's six six and people are like are think he's more like six nine or six ten i'm like what <laughs> it's such a big jump i <laughs> know what are you talking about like it's one or the other man like shoes only add like an inch and a half maybe two inches at most it's like usually just an inch i don't know this is it's like what are they wearing platforms what the hell's going on out there yeah yeah for real it's uh <laughs>
0: It's all about, I don't know, I'm assuming it's just to try to mess up matchups or, I don't know, you know. Of course, you want to be taller than you are. It helps. Definitely. helps, you know, every time. So, it's kind of weird that Mitchell went down to 6'1". Like, oh, okay.
1: You're <laughs> It's part of the aging process. You just start shrinking. Yeah, know. right. All
0: right. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess... Talking about Donovan Mitchell, I don't mean, yeah. unless you have more to go on. Um, no, no, no. It's a perfect another perfect trend. You
1: kill it with the transitions today.
0: Yeah, just randomly. Um, Mitchell, I mean, I mean, the Kings are a suitor for him. What, what do you think? What do you think about that?
1: Well, you know, I'll preface it by saying, you know, I think in May or June, uh, kind of ahead of the draft, um, ahead of the start of free agency, um, after the Kings got the fourth pick, there was a lot of talk about like, oh, the Kings using the fourth pick to go get DeMar DeRozan or go get Bradley Beal or yada, 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 whoever. And there are just kind of like all these, as with any off season, any situation where it's just kind of like unrealistic, kind of like, yeah, the Kings are going to get this like star talent. Well, one of the people that kind of became interesting Uh, was Donovan Mitchell because I don't know if Gobert had been traded by them, but it was evident that he was going to be traded at any moment and that Donovan Mitchell might be traded as well. And it seemed, you know, again, before the draft, before the off season really began, it seemed like Donovan Mitchell had the best chance of being traded to the Kings. Like he was the superstar that had the biggest chance of coming to Sacramento. Um, that is no longer, that's, that might, I mean, like nobody's coming. I don't think there's any superstar coming to Sacramento. Like That whole, that train has left the station. And the, the Kings just simply can't trade a first-round pick. So how are they going to get Donovan Mitchell? They'd have to do a lot of, I mean, like, you'd be dumping a lot of money. Um, you'd probably have to, look, I mean, like, in terms of what you have to give up, you'd have to give up a player. And some people would be like, well, maybe if you could somehow find a way to get Davion Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell swap, probably with some other contracts in there coming from the Kings, wouldn't that be a net positive? Well, I don't know if that's happening. And what I read in the Salt Lake City Tribune, because um, they were analyzing all the suitors for Mitchell and what they have to offer, it was obvious that the Kings have literally next to nothing in terms of realistic assets to send to Donovan Mitchell. Because at the end of the day, it's probably going to have to be, A combination of players and as the i don't know who the writer was in the the article in the tribune but he basically said that like well the only person that really would make sense would be you know keegan murray (laughs) i'm like that's not happening (laughs) pretty much write that off i would say i mean i don't even think i think if you look at the contract situation on spot track uh i think it says keegan murray can't be traded until the summer next summer so, uh, no. I I think it has something to do with the rookie contract. So, I don't even know if that's possible to trade Keegan Murray. Um, I believe it's it.
0: No, it's it's some contracts are like, uh, like
1: that. Doesn't, it doesn't seem like... It not, it's not it, that it doesn't seem like... There just isn't anything the Kings can do, um, given the fact that they can't trade a first-round pick right now, considering the conditional pick that they sent to the Hawks and the particular rule that I forget the name of. But, um, so, like, what are the, can the Kings do? Pretty much nothing. Like, unless they went ahead and were like, take, I don't know. Like, would you really want to give up? I guess you'd have to give up probably, if you're not giving up Murray, you're probably giving up Davion Mitchell, uh, Harrison Barnes, and then probably Kevin Herter. Because you really have to dump a lot of money to bring in Donovan Mitchell. And, yeah, yeah that starting lineup sounds really fun, but – at the end of the day, we were just talking about depth at small forward. You wouldn't have a small forward then, and I don't know if that team is as good.
0: You Jazz come to you, they offer you Mitchell for Fox straight up. You doing it?
1: Ooh, my, um, I, I am, I, I am. I think, I think I would. I, I was going to say, like, I just feel like that would be that you probably just. I mean, I feel like that makes a lot of sense, but I don't know. I mean, the Jazz wouldn't; they would want
0: more. But I just I saw a lot of, um, when we posted this, you know, the news of the Kings being suitors for Mitchell. Yeah, a lot of people were like they trade Fox. Like, I'm not being a fan of the team. And it's like, I get it. You know, like we all love Fox, but I mean, you're gonna get it. people said that. People said that about Halliburton too. Very true. Are. But so. it's like really a three time. Uh, yeah, true. They did. I mean, a three-time all-star though, Mitchell. I mean, I lo- I, mean, I like Fox too. I like him a lot, but you know, Donovan Mitchell's a three-time all-star for a reason. Yeah. And you think Fox and Sabonis is a good tandem? Thinking about Sabonis. Sabonis and Mitchell,
1: and Mitchell? like those are two literal all-stars. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that. That it, it's like what. I said it's like it's like we it's like when after the Kings traded for Sabonis, it's like it was hard for anybody to wrap their mind around that the Kings would trade for an All Star. Like once you put it that way, it's kind of hard to argue against it. And once you're talking about Mitchell Donovan Mitchell, that is, you're talking about one of the best players in the league. Like Sabonis is one of the best big men in the league, but Donovan Mitchell is one of the best players in the league. And I feel like he goes somewhere, and that team probably is going to contend at the very least. They're going to be pretty good. It's like what you're talking about with Damian uh, Lillard. Like, you put him on a team, they're going to be pretty good. And maybe it's not as proven with Mitchell, but I still feel that way. He's that good. I Mitchell's,
0: um, yeah, like you said, he's one of the best players in the league. Like that, I mean, Sabonis, we got an all-star. He wasn't an all-star last year. Mitchell, he's an all-star the last three years, you know? Yeah. So, Yeah. and the best player on a good team. And, of course, you know, the Jazz had a better team than... You know, it's a bonus out on the Pacers, but Mitchell's, he's good. I mean, that's unrealistic, but I just had to ask it.
1: It would be interesting to see, because I just don't think, like, given what the Jazz want to do, it just seems like the Jazz totally want to start from scratch, so Fox wouldn't make sense at that point. Um, But, like, if the Kings had Halliburton and not Fox right now, I feel like that, now you're talking about something that could, that might have had some, some, some uh, recipe for something happening because of Halliburton's kind of youthfulness and the way he's regarded too. Uh, especially, you know, I think just like every year he's had in the league, people just have nothing but good things to say. And the notoriety just grows. And then after the trade, it just seems like everybody knows about him. Yeah. Um, But so I feel like that would have been interesting to see if they could have pulled something off in that situation. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I guess I hadn't just thought about it. I didn't read that. Uh, I guess I hadn't been paying attention, but it's like Fox and Fox for Mitchell. Interesting. But uh, again, I think anything for Mitchell, that train has left the station.
0: Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about last week, it kind of seems how this roster is right now, other than you know, maybe a Matthew is signing. It, it kind of seems like, this is the roster we're gonna be heading into the season with. And there's you know, nothing wrong with that. Um No. But you know, this is probably what Mike Brown's gonna to have to start formulating, you know, plans with and strategies off of. So um I mean there's still a lot of time. I don't know. Actually I don't know, when is when is training camp? I was gonna say a lot of time uh, until the season begins, but I don't I
1: looked it up. I think it's I don't remember. I can um, get it
0: though. Yeah. But so looks like the looks like the team and i, I and mean, then we were kind of talking about earlier seems like a team that at least at least can make the play in and you know maybe make the play in and you know win when whatever you need to in the play in and then mm-hmm. make it as an eighth or maybe a seventh seed so it'll be exciting exciting season yeah. ahead but still
1: still a little bit away just a tiny bit i mean uh, just to to, I think, I don't know if we really talked about this as much, but because you mentioned Della Vadova. Did you have a preference on Della Vidova or Quinn Cook?
0: Um, do I have a real preference? No. I think my, I think I like Della Vadova just because I liked him on the Cavs. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, you know, that's kind of telling. He has, a, he has a great work ethic. The dude hustles. Um, He has a good rapport with Mike Brown. Um, he's a pro, you know, he's a pro's pro and can you know, talking about, um, you know, getting that culture built and stuff like that? I think having Della Vidova, a defensive minded guy too um, mm-hmm. would be great for that Quinn. But, yeah. but I think right now I think Quinn cook is the better player, but sometimes it's not, you know, it's not always about that. And yeah. I think Della Vadova, I, I think between Della Vadova and Quinn cook, Della Vidova would actually get more playing time on this team for matchup purposes. He's a little I bigger, so. too. Um, so he that. he would see the floor more as well. So, I mean, might as well get the guy who would play. I think Quentin mm-hmm. Cook's, you know, he's a good player, but um, Della Vadova just makes more sense for this team, especially for a third-string point guard, you know. These guys aren't yeah. going to get a lot of playing time anyway.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think it comes down to that, too. Just one of the... Th- Quinn Cook is a very tenacious player. I like his style of play, but it's just that size. He's like, what, six foot? And yeah. um, it's just like, I don't know. Like Mitchell is, Don, not Donovan, uh, Davion Mitchell's what, six foot, six one? Um, so, you know, I don't know. I I, I just, I, and I do think that Double Dova is probably on top of having a little better bit of better size at just six three, granted. But um, he's also, I think, he might probably just have the better track record on defense. I mean, like Quinn Cook's a pretty plus defender, I would say, but like Vadova. I mean, he was kind of, he put himself in NBA immortality because of his defense. Um, yeah, I that's in fair, one so. game. Yeah. yeah, two games to be fair, but yeah. one game that worked. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but then he went to the hospital. And it's like, don't do that, man. It's, don't take your job too seriously, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I mean, it's something you'd love to hear. I mean, not I know, like, not that he's gonna die, but um, you know, it's like you know,
1: of course, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's like wow, yeah, it's just what you want to see. Work and fans would eat it up, yep. especially here. Fans Deli, appreciate the hard workers. Welcome
0: to sack. We're saying it here first. That's right. That's <laughs> right.
1: You know, because Andrew Boger can tell the future, and we're gonna sign him next. Dude, that would—you don't have any idea how happy that would make me just to see Andrew Boga back in the league. How old is he? Oh, he's probably forty now. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, yeah, he was one of my favorite players. Just on like, like I, I, I know that. Uh, I I, because I was doing so much on the coaching, we were doing so much work on the coaching search, it was hard not to relive all the drama between Mark Jackson and Andrew (laughs) Bogut. Basically, Mark Jackson saying that Andrew Bogut's not very good, but I could not disagree with him anymore. I think as soon as the Warriors got Andrew Bogut, like that in tandem with Mark Jackson made that a defensive minded team. Like, once you got that anchor, I mean, that was a part of the NBA. Uh, and I know that part of the shade Mark Jackson threw at Andrew Bogut was that like, you don't need a room protector. Like he said that during a game when he was commentating it. And it's like, dude, you got this guy at a time when everybody had like a rim protector, like DeAndre yeah. Jordan, you know, Chandler and uh, Dallas or whatever. And uh, you know, once they got Bogut, it's like, man, like this defense, like now it's legit. You really had that anchor. And he really was. A, and once he was playing and healthy and he was, he was thinner, and he was he, he was a difference maker. He was a really good player. And I think when I, I watched a lot of Warriors games back then, and, like, you have to kind of watch it to appreciate it. But that's the case with a lot of guys, especially defensive guys. A lot of people give a lot of crap to Draymond, but it's undeniable. He's, like, one of the best defensive players to ever play the game. And it gets overlooked a lot. But Andrew Bogut, man, he was one of my favorites. I don't want to get caught away, carried away here. I don't think Kings fans really give much of a crap about him, uh, which is fair. But uh, you know, all the love to Andrew Bogut. You you love Bogut, I know that. uh yeah. um, We used to play basketball out on the <laughs> out on the yard, and uh, you know, you kids, and everybody's trying to name themselves as a player. Everybody would call me Bogut. I'm, like, oh, I'm just setting screens, though. I'm not really doing anything else. I wasn't <laughs> a big guy. I wasn't posing. I was like, try not to mess up the team's flow. But anyways, yeah, you know. We're, we're calling it now, you know, a week behind Andrew Bogut, Dela Vadova. Come on in. Um, that Door's nice. open. Come on in. And also, just a small kind of little note on bringing Dela Vadova in. I think the Kings, part of the Kings, this might be another transition, but part of the Kings brand right now with Mike Brown, Mike Brown, I was going to call him Mike Brand, uh, is that it's becoming a more, and I think that this has always kind of been an urge for the franchise since Vivek Ranadive took over. it's becoming a little bit more of an international product. You know, I think you've seen some places where people are like, it's not the Sacramento Kings anymore. It's the Nigerian Kings now because they have so much connections to the Nigerian national team. (laughs) And I think you add, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I don't think it really does anything for the team performance, but it's an interesting thing from the business standpoint to make it a more international friendly thing. Now you got an Aussie on there and uh, you know, Sell some Kings jerseys there or something. I don't know. But uh, I guess that's uh, a nice transition to the fact that maybe a little bit of overlooked news. Um, And maybe if it's overlooked, it might be rightfully so. But it's nice anyways, because there is a nice little part of this. But uh, 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson, just signed a a partnership with Vivek Ranadive and the Kings to bring his, I think his champagne line to... uh, the fancy, uh,
0: fancy yeah. club at the
1: Gold One Center, and have them at the concession stands or whatever. And uh, as silly as that sounds, you do have to give them props. It, it, it's also a partnership for Fifty Cents Foundation, which is going to give scholarships to some high school students. So that's all fine and dandy. But uh, you know, it's it. Yeah, I tell you one thing about Vivek Ranadive. One thing I've noticed about him is he will never pass up an opportunity to get publicity alongside a celebrity.
0: No, he will not. He um, seems just like a publicity stunt. I mean, it makes sense why he's, you know, he's hanging out with 50 Cent now uh, in Mm -hmm. Las Vegas. But, I mean, uh, to me, it doesn't really matter what he's selling, champagne and cognac. I mean, okay. I don't know if you could buy cognac at Kings Games before this. I don't think so. But, um, I don't know. It just seems kind of like
1: a publicity stunt. I mean, he teamed up with... Yeah, but... And you saw it with Vivek early on, too. I mean, like, early on when it was still Sleep Train Arena, you know, he was having, like, Jamie Foxx in there. I think Drake came. Yeah. Kelsey Grammer came to a game. Um, Kelsey Grammer. There's all sorts of pictures of Vivek Ranadive with famous people. You know? Um, Ever since he got there, you know, he just... Like, Shaq became... Uh, didn't he have part time? Yeah, he yeah, just he sold was, it. He just sold it recently. Did. But he's gonna part. Isn't he gonna use that money to buy? um Isn't he thinking about buying another team? I don't know. Someone was telling me about that.
0: No, I don't know. Probably. Don't know.
1: Yeah, Might as well. But um, yeah. But I don't know. It just seems very Vivek, and it just it's interesting to see that in terms. It's interesting to look at Vivek Ranadive as a businessman because in terms of how he handles his product with the celebrities and everything like that, people might be tempted to say it's good. But, um, you know, and it might be good. (laughs) Again, I'm not gonna take away from the scholarships that are being given out and all the good that's being done in the community that they're flaunting. I'm sure that that's great. But it's just interesting that he always has a way of trying to just make himself appear good, to try to spruce up the product by being seen with celebrities and getting different partnerships and stuff like that. But at the same time, the product on the floor has just been not good. For his whole tenure, um, so you know, and part of the reason for that is his kind of arrogance and uh, his tendency to get a little too involved and not know when to draw a line. Now that might have changed, and things might be a little different now. But you know, whenever you see him with celebrities and stuff, it just—I I can't help think it's like a little bit of a cover, and that might just be a business move, and that might be good, but like you got to call a spade a spade
0: um yeah i mean i'm I'm definitely not disagreeing with you it's just funny i feel like out of the two of us i'm the bigger kings fan and i've, I've had to deal with vivek a lot longer than you have <laughs> you seem to hate him a lot more but i mean you
1: bring up really <laughs> valid reasons i mean yeah, i don't hate him i don't hate him but i'm just like dude <laughs> like <laughs> You are the problem, man. And I just like I don't I don't get how you're, you know, you just you're so high up on the mountain that you can't hear that message. It just I that baffles me. And I I just think that that's kind of part of the part of the gig too. Cuz so you got to I mean like he is such a big problem. Like you have to remind. I think it's it's you might get I might get redundant at times, but you know, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with me that he had a lot to do with the disappointment of the last nine years.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, so, a
1: yeah. A lot. Yeah, I and mean, it it that is an interesting observation, though. I do definitely, like, whenever I get a chance to talk about Vivek, I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely try to <laughs> mention things. But, you know, I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's a good guy and everything like that. Just, like, uh, just wish he could be a little more relatable. She could, yeah, wouldn't that be great?
0: It'd be, um, you just there's a lot I want to change about VVAC, but I mean, I don't know, <laughs> something I don't know. It's, it's, it, I guess it's just something that I've learned to deal with.
1: I, <laughs> I mean, what can, what, exactly. what can you do? Exactly, exactly. Can't do anything. He would just like that term, oh, that word owner, you <laughs> can't really. Can't really change that. <laughs> We're not the repo man, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean that'd be cool. It's the whole Sacramento, all of Sacramento and the Sacramento region just gets together. Repossession just, mob. Right. I mean, don't don't the Packers own like Packers fans own the Packers? Yeah. Should- George Carl has expressed multiple times that he would want nothing more than the Sacramento Kings to have a similar ownership to uh Green Bay Packers. But the I guess I was looking at something and I think like, I don't know, I, I, I'm i not a hundred percent on this, so I'm not even sure I should be saying it, but I think it has something to do like they, the Packers did that a long time ago and there's just like, it would be really hard to do that today. I don't know the specific reasons why, but I think there's something to do with that. Also, you're relying upon the fact that Vivek would sell it. Like, I just don't think that there would be enough buying power. I think would be the problem these days. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit of a, it's kind of what I'm talking about with Vivek. It's it's hard to relate with them. It's not like just anybody can become an owner. Maybe that there's a good reason for that. I'm not arguing that just any old Joe should be an owner, but I don't know. I mean, you just gotta, you gotta any old Joe would probably be better than Vivek, Ron, and <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely, I think so. <laughs> but um, you know, I don't know. Just always interesting to keep up on what Vivek doing. I mean, he's. Buying the river Cats potentially. No, oh, so, I know. What's so, up yeah, with that? That kid, you know, he couldn't get, um, he couldn't buy that, didn't, he wanted to buy that uh, soccer team in England, I think, uh, but I don't think that worked out for him, <laughs> and uh, which is interesting because it's just like, I know that um, the Yorks, the owners of the 49ers, that family, they own a soccer, I think they own one of like the big soccer teams in England, too, and so it's just like, I don't know. The celebrities thing you can just kind of tell. I mean, like Vivek's a successful guy, I guess. Um, I don't know. You take that for what it's worth, but it just seems like he's always trying to up his own stock, you know. Which is probably what I don't like about him more than anything. Doesn't take accountability while he's trying to do that. But I don't know. I'll leave it at that for Vivek Rondi. <laughs> um. Yeah, we'll probably talk about him
0: in a lot more podcasts coming up till he sells the team, really. But. Um, oh, even after.
1: <laughs> It'll always be comparisons. It'll always just be like, hey, remember that? No, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs>
0: yeah. We, I mean, yeah. So, we'll see. But we are running out of time here. Um, yeah, I think
1: that's about everything we needed to cover.
0: Is that all you got? Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> and a nice abrupt ending here (laughs) i mean i mean i think everyone's okay with a little vivek slander so i mean he's definitely he's definitely you know deserves it but um it's a little bit of dessert here in this five course meal yeah but um (laughs) (laughs) thank you everyone for tuning in as always and until next time have a good one